Hey y'all, welcome to Best Virginia, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating history, culture, and folklore of the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia. You got shot, you got stabbed, you lost everything that you had. There ain't no time to wonder why, but to hang your head and cry, oh no. Welcome everyone to Best Virginia Podcast, where today I have a really cool guest with me, Dr. Christy Sumner. She is a part of Soul Sisters Paranormal. They are a paranormal investigation group consisting solely of women. Uh, I'll let her explain a little more about that. But the reason I brought her on today is that she has some experience with some of our hauntings, uh, namely the West Virginia State Penitentiary and Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which I'm super pumped about both of those things and hearing about your experiences today. Well, thank you for having me, Jordan. I'm really excited to chat with you today as well. Absolutely. So um, as we were chatting before this, you told me that you had some roots in West Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my mom was born in Glendale, West Virginia. Um, My grandpa was actually a prison guard at the West Virginia State Penitentiary for a few years. And then he became the chief of police of Glendale, West Virginia. He was chief of police for almost 30 years. Um, As chief of police, he was also uh, uh, chief of the fire department. He was head of the waterworks. Um, So basically, he was a a one-man show around the town. So a lot of roots in Glendale. We still have family there. Um, So it's just just a great state to be from. even though I was born in Florida, you know, we do have those strong roots there in West Virginia. Absolutely. And that's amazing. Your grandfather sounds like an amazing man. That's, that's why yeah, he really was, <laughs> you know, there was nothing that happened in the town of Glendale that Kenny Pickett didn't know about. Um, they actually, yeah, they actually have a Kenny Pickett day, um, you know, in celebration of, of kind of what he did. And, um, you know, for a time after he, uh, he passed, um, my mom actually had a scholarship for um, the local elementary school there. And they would write essays about what it was like to grow up in Glendale. And coincidentally enough, one year, Brad Paisley actually won that contest. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Right. So, really you know, cool. it just kind of like I said, you know, just kind of those interesting roots, those interesting stories that that hail from West Virginia. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about. One of the main reasons I started the show was to talk about all the cool stuff we have to offer. Um, not the least of which is our weird side, which is one of my <laughs> favorite parts. Um, you see, I'm representing the Mothman today. I see that. Uh, it's a great shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorites. And, you know, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about first and foremost, Soul Sisters. Tell us a little bit about about how that came to be and a little bit about what you guys do. 
Sure, absolutely. So um, I am the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal. And as you said, we're an all-female team. It's made up of myself and my twin sister. And uh, we're occasionally accompanied by our younger sister and our family friend, Kara, and another family friend, Kim. Um, we started out as that group of five women. Um, but this last year, you know, due to COVID and, and different life changes, um, it really became just a two-investigator format with my twin sister and I. Uh, but we started in 2014. We've, we've always had a fascination with the paranormal. And um, it actually started as a girls trip to Moundsville, West Virginia. Uh, we were there for uh, just to just get together and have a girls weekend. And uh, coincidentally enough, we had a family friend that sat on the board of the West Virginia State Penitentiary. So he said, you know, while you're here, why don't you stay the night in the prison and see if you can uh, communicate with, the, with our resident spirits there. And we jumped at that opportunity because we always wanted to, um, to go on a paranormal investigation to really see what it was like. And so we jumped at that opportunity. There was just just a, a group of women there in the jail that night or the prison that night. And we left that experience with what we felt was compelling paranormal evidence, um, footsteps running through the darkness, doors slamming. Um, we captured some things on audio that we couldn't explain. So after that, we really decided to form a, a, what we call, call a professional paranormal team. Uh, and that was Soul Sisters Paranormal. So it started there in Moundsville. Our second investigation was the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. So we started off with a big one-two punch there in West Virginia. Oh, wow. I'm trying not to jump too far ahead of myself, but I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that you revisited the penitentiary later on. We did. Yeah, we did. We've been there twice. We've done two investigations there. Um, like I said, the first one was extremely rudimentary. It was just one of those things that we wanted to see if we would enjoy it. So we had a couple of night vision video cameras. We had a couple of voice recorders, a couple of digital cameras, nothing uh, too extravagant at that point because uh, we were just really starting out. And um, But the things that we captured were what we felt was extremely compelling. Like I said, you know, you're, you're sitting in this dark um, former penitentiary and you you hear a door slam in a neighboring cell block and you know that nobody's there or you're sitting in the dark infirmary uh, you know no lights really illuminating anything and yet you hear footsteps running at you so loud that you think something is going to materialize and nothing does and so again that was really what uh, jump-started us on this journey with soul sisters paranormal no doubt and so you know, here in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit more about some of your evidence, if you don't mind. Um, sure. But also, I, I want to hear, you know, from reading and from looking into your some of your work and things like that. Uh, I noticed that you all do stuff all over the country and have done mm -hmm. some really cool stuff. So do you care to talk about some of your favorite um, investigations or um, <laughs> some of your the ones that stand out the most? Sure. Uh, you know, asking to me to tell about my favorite one is kind of asking me to like pick my favorite child because um, they're all different. You know, the first and foremost, the thing that really compels us to do this is the history of these locations. You know, we get to very to have a very tactile experience with locations that not a lot of people get to visit. So to your point, we've been to to West Virginia State Penitentiary, Trans-Allegheny, the Lizzie Borden House, the Velisca Axe Murder House. And, um, you know, to have these experiences, to touch those walls and walk on those floors or, you know, touch those doorknobs uh, is really why we do this and what drives us, uh, because we want to tell the history of these locations in a very complete narrative that people might not know about um, in order to preserve these locations. Um, so each one is very unique from the historical perspective, as well as from the paranormal perspective. Um, but I'd say the one that really fascinated me the most, you know, outside of West Virginia, of course, um, was uh, Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia. Um, that 
that was interesting to us because that was where we captured our first shadow figure that we couldn't explain. Um, we had a night vision video camera set up in a subterranean casemate, and um, we had a laser grid sitting next to that uh, that night vision video camera. Um, and during the night, when nobody was around that camera, um, something materializes out of the wall and walks from right to left from the camera's view and cuts off the laser grid beams. So to us, that's extremely um, un uh, compelling and, and unexplainable. So Fort Mifflin was a great location to investigate. Um, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary uh, here in, uh, in Tennessee, in Petros, Tennessee, um, was extremely compelling. Again, things that we just can't explain. Um, uh, footsteps, door slams, men's voices when there's only females on the property. Um, and, and when we go into these, loca these locations, we really try to control the environment as much as we can. And by that, I mean, we, we make sure we know where the light sources are. We make sure we know where noise sources are and really try to rule out those type of contaminants. Um, and, and so when what we capture is what we call unexplainable. So to hear these things and pick these up on audio and video um, is, is extremely, like I said, compelling to us. So um, every place that we've gone to, we've been very fortunate to capture things that we can't explain. Um, I'd say probably the most compelling one with regard to paranormal activity was the uh, Old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida. And this was a jail that was in operation from 1928 to 1968, very small footprint. It only had four cells on the first floor and then four small cells on the second floor it was just a county jail. Um, and then after it closed in 1968, it said vacant um, uh, up until the, the early 2000s. So it really became a haven for drug activity and, and uh, unsavory um, individuals that would go into that building. Um, but when we investigated there, like I said, we were having um, a, just a great night of capturing footsteps, voices, um, door slams, shadow figures. So I'd say as far as paranormal activity, that would be the one that was the most compelling. Wow. Uh, you you answered my question in spades. A, a very difficult <laughs> question, I, I imagine. Because <laughs> um, like you said, because whenever you started talking about that, I was thinking, um, you know, at my job is as a psychologist. So I was thinking like, what if someone asked me what my favorite case was? Like, that's not a question mm -hmm. I would be able to answer, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, as something you do and put your, put your heart into and your family. I, I think that, uh, I think that's so amazing. And I had, you hit so many of the points that I wanted to talk about today in one thing. So I'm trying to organize them in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the most important things I think you said is uh, in reference to the history mm -hmm. of those places. And, you know, cause I feel like paranormal and history go together. Like you can't have one without the other, obviously, um, because there's always a rich history, which is what makes, um, from what I understand um, is for what creates that level of activity in that area and concentrates that level of activity in a certain area um, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, just like, Oh, I'm walking down the street and suddenly a ghost appears or <laughs> there's a breath on the back of my neck or, or whatever, you know, whatever mm -hmm. type of uh, evidence there could be. It's, it seems to be concentrated in certain areas with a rich history. Um, and, you know, or at least those are the ones that draw our, our attention the most. So, and history is a huge, is a huge interest of mine um, as a part of the show and a part of my life. I love learning everything I can. I probably get on the nerves of my wife and my family because <laughs> I'm always asking questions about everything, uh, even mm -hmm. if it doesn't seem important to other people. Um, but I think that's where, that's how we learn things and how we start to see, uh, open our mind and start to see things that others don't, which is, you know, leads us to paranormal investigation and 
with that being said, I wanted to ask, you know, one of the first questions that came to my mind for you uh, was what inspired you to get involved with paranormal investigation? Was there a triggering event or something you can trace uh, your interest back to specifically? Well, there was never really a triggering event per se, like, oh, I, I saw this apparition or something like that. Um, my sisters and I have always come from a very um, research-minded background, if you will. So our parents, to your point, have always said, ask questions to get the answers. And so we've always had a fascination with the paranormal. We do come from a, a religious Christian background, um, but that, but we always wondered where, where are we going after this? What's the next step level after, you know, we die? Is there something else to that? And so so we started watching, you know, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, the early 2000 shows when they started to become popular. And we really found ourselves saying, well, why didn't they ask this question? Or why didn't they use this technique? Or why didn't they do that or this? And so we always said to ourselves, if we had the opportunity to go on a, a, a private paranormal investigation, then that's what we were going to do. And it really presented itself with Moundsville. And so to your point, it, it really was one of those things that it just kind of, it, it kind of grew out of a fascination of research. And and what, again, what we really strive to do is bring that historical narrative to the forefront first and answer the questions that we have about the location um, and then hopefully parlay those into preservation efforts for these locations. Now, while we, we do go to the larger, what I would call commercial places like Moundsville or Trans-Allegheny or, um, you know, the St. Augustine Lighthouse, we really do prefer going to the smaller locations that not a lot of people know about. Um, for example, we investigated the, the Ma Barker House in Central Florida, and this was the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma and Fred Barker and members of the FBI. And it really culminated in the, the death of the gangster era in 1935. And um, even people that live in Marion County, Florida, didn't know this history, didn't know this story. So when we presented our narrative and presented our findings, you know, we had newspapers calling us, TV uh, people wanted to interview us on what we did because we were the first team to investigate the, the location. And um, it really um, enhanced preservation efforts. People wanted to go, people wanted to take tours based on what we did. And so for that, that was like one of our crowning ach achievements so far to get recognition to that location. And that's what we want to do with all the locations that we investigate. Yeah. And th that's something that I noticed about whenever I was looking into you to, that I noticed about your website and things like that is you all do make an effort to point out the historical aspects of things of, of the places that you investigate, which is, uh, I think part of what makes you all stand out so much. Um, you all, you, you know, you look at all different angles from it, other than just a, other than just a paranormal lens, you look at it in context of, you know, what happened there, the, the history of the area. And, um, I believe I was listening to uh, some other shows that you've been a part of. And one of them referenced the Lizzie Borden house, which blows my mind. Cause I, that's <laughs> such a cool story and such a cool, you know, just has such, just the whole thing is just great. Um, <laughs> it is, a, it is an interesting story for sure. Absolutely. Um, but like you mentioned, being able to walk through those places and, you know, get a sense of the layout and get a sense of just kind of put yourself into that mindset and put it in, put it in context other than, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of stating what you, what your findings were, which, you mm -hmm. know, I, I think puts a whole new level to it. 
Oh, and, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you for recognizing that. That's exactly what we want to do. Um, you know, for us, we consider ourselves true paranormal investigators, and that encompasses everything from the history to the paranormal. Um, and that's the route we've chosen to take. Now, others may consider themselves more ghost hunters, where they just want to go in, find something, and boom, that's it. Or, you know, YouTubers that just go in and, and say, oh, I'm going to walk through this and show you all the scary places and maybe get touched and stuff like that. So there, there are different facets to the quote-unquote paranormal community, but we consider ourselves, to your point, um, really those that get in there and delve into the history first, uh, because it is so important, and then couple that with any compelling pieces of evidence that we find during that investigation. And I think that's, like I said before, that's really what makes you all stand out to me, um, because I've, you know, I've always been drawn to the paranormal, whether it be, um, you know, ghosts or apparitions or cryptids um it just i love the unexplainable because mm -hmm. that's what drives us forward and i've exactly. like i said before I, i'm always interested in learning more and the more i don't understand the more room there is to learn mm -hmm. and you all i think do that in a great um in a, in a great way that like i mentioned before encompasses the history and the you know the geography and you know just the uh like you mentioned before with the the mob barker uh situation you know mm -hmm. looking at how it uh, impacted the whole like the country as a whole i mean mm -hmm. that's that's a really important aspect of a lot of things um that you know that people even in their backyard they don't re recognize and exactly so, yeah so preserving that history and looking into it and putting it in a way that's that's interesting and that's um accessible to to other people to other like-minded individuals i just think that is amazing um, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, huge, huge fan of just the oh. whole, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, but <clears throat> like you mentioned before, talking about the history of, you know, of things and how, how it's intertwined. There's so much, one of my favorite, like in the context of West Virginia, one of my favorite mm -hmm. ghost stories is the story of Mamie Thurman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not. Um, I'm not. If you, I was going to say, if you are amazing, because it is such a, like, it just has, I did an episode on it um, in, in season one, but it's just, it, it was about, I'd say about 30 minutes from where I grew up um, in my original home, excuse me, hometown of Logan, West Virginia, Logan County. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved across the border when I was like two, uh, but I, my dad was from Logan. So, you know, it, it, it's a story that takes place in there, but it encompasses so much. Um, it took place during the prohibition area era. Um, and this, uh, her husband was a police officer and there was just this whole situation where she was having an, allegedly having an affair with a, um, a government official. And then she was murdered and, uh, someone was falsely accused, but her ghost tries to point you to where she was, um, wow. where her body was disposed of. And there, the legend goes that if you go to this certain place um, and park your car, um, it, it, your car will actually roll uphill. And nice. yeah, and, and that's what I grew up hearing was stories like that. And the more I, especially, you know, I was super pumped about looking into things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but no, even people that just grew up down the road from me have no clue. And mm -hmm. it's it's so important, not only because it's interesting, but because it had to do with um, our government. It also had to do with the, you know, the con in the context of the history of the era, like because the last place she was um, 
seen by other witnesses was at a speakeasy, which mm-hmm. is like hip now, but, <laughs> but right? was a thing that like you just did because that was the only option you had back then. And it was just, mm-hmm. it puts the whole thing into perspective and all in this little town of Logan, West Virginia, uh, which was our big city, which is crazy to me now that <laughs> I've actually seen more of the world, but you know, it, it, it does really put things in a perspective being able to see the historical side, the paranormal side. And also, you know, my one true love is, or, or one of my most, <laughs> one of my most, um, one of my most adored parts of humanity is the driving force of why we do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's why I became a psychologist. That's why I like making these connections with people, with my, with my guests, with my fans um, or listeners. Fans is such a strong word. You got fans. <laughs> go with yeah. it, Jordan. Just go with it. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I got so many fans. There you um, go. But to be able to build connections, but it also to see like what drives people to do the things that they do, like mm-hmm. murder um, and, you know, commit these crimes, but also like what drives them to stay tethered to our world, like after their time here. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that's something that is always, um, really stuck with me is just wondering like what would tether me to this plane like Mm -hmm. if if i were to pass today what would would or would not keep me here as opposed to some of these other people like the the ghosts that are the uh, spirits that inhabit the places that you investigate Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's a great, that that's really the sense of exploration, right? That that's really the quote unquote last frontier that we really can explore. And the, the, the thing is everything that we're dealing with here is theory. Um, you know, we're never going to find the answers, concrete answers until we, till we pass. Right. Um, I think the, the, the late great Betty White just said it, um, that she, she was not afraid of death because there was the, the, the big secret, the big secret that everybody will experience that we'll know the answer to one time at one point. Um, but we don't know yet. And so to your point, it, this is a fascinating study. This is why we really, um, try to delve into this a little bit deeper, the, the way we do it uh, with that research mindset, because we do want these answers. Um, you know, when we're going into local locations that, as I said before, I know there's only two or three females, we have the complete control of the environment, yet I'm capturing a man's voice, or I'm capturing a child's voice, or something's moving of its own volition, that to me is extremely compelling, and I want to know the answers why. Um, and so we've had opportunities to, to communicate with, with these spirits um, on some level, and, you know, for example, we'll go back to the Ma Barker house, you know, when we asked the question, what happened in this room, we're, we're sitting in the room where Ma and Fred were killed by the FBI. And so it's just my sisters and my sister and I, and um, I asked the question, what happened in this room? And we got the response, they murdered us, we the ones dead. And so for me, that is their story. That's what they want to convey. And yes, they were terrible people in life. You know, they were gangsters, bank robbers, murderers, but their narrative is they were murdered by the FBI. And so if, if we can tell that story, if we can convey that message, you know, again, that's something that we felt um, uh, very privileged to do with, with, with Soul Sisters Paranormal. You just keep saying things that are blowing my mind. Um, so because of like the work that I do, like what you just said, their perspective was that they were in the right and they were cut down by the government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, I think that is so important as perspective because mm-hmm. 
I, I know, like, I know you didn't mean it this way, but you said that they were terrible people, you know, like as far as what you and I consider great people, they m- maybe weren't the most savory, like you mentioned earlier, <laughs> but they believed that they were doing what they, what they were supposed to. And just like you, what if me going to work tomorrow was considered terrible by someone else? And, right. you know, because I, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Why is that bad? Just mm-hmm. like they were doing the things they were doing to support their family, to do the things. So to be able to get other perspectives, whatever means necessary, I, I think that is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I, that you really stuck out the way you, the, you said it earlier was the way that you do things. I forget which, uh, what way you worded it. Um, but something I noticed was that you all do uh, use different techniques. Uh, and the word techniques in this context is kind of foreign to me. Um, but I, I want to know what your techniques are as compared to other um, investigation groups. Well, what we do is, is, you know, it's similar to others in the paranormal community, but um, as I said before, we really come at this from that research mindset. So, um, you know, I, I've got an advanced degree. My twin has an advanced degree. You know, everybody on the team, um, we, we have advanced degrees, not to say that that's better than anything um, or anybody else, but I say that to say that we come at it from a very research-minded perspective. And so for us, the very first thing that we want to do is we go in with a healthy skepticism and actually try to debunk. Um, Um, any of the paranormal claims that our predecessors have found. And so we'll go into a location um, the day before or the day of our investigation during the the daytime, um, and we'll look for things that could cause light pollution during the night or noise pollution during the night. So we look for street lights, we look for train tracks, we look for airline traffic, um, dogs in the neighborhood, kids in the neighborhood, um, anything that could be considered that if you hear it um, while you're inside the, the location or on the property that you're investigating, if you hear it, you can immediately rule that out as not being paranormal. Um, so for example, we were called to investigate a business um, in Florida and he was convinced that his business was was haunted. He had some night vision video cameras up and he said something kept messing with him during the night. And so we said, you know, we'll, we'll come and investigate. And so he had a brick and mortar location. Obviously, um, it was a, a glass storefront. It had some mirrors running down the side. He had display cases. Um, and so we went in and we investigated for probably about four hours. And um, none of our equipment really alarmed to anything. We weren't feeling anything in the moment. Um, but we left some night vision video cameras and we left them run during the night and we left the building. And so when we came back the next day, I asked him, I said, did your cameras alarm or go off and he said oh yeah it was very active night and I said well give me the timestamps, and I'm going to cross-reference them with my cameras and so when we did that what we found was the way his building was positioned it was running perpendicular to or running parallel to a road that had a high uh, volume of U-turn traffic so when the cars would make a U-turn during the night the the headlights would bounce into the building bounce off his mirrors and essentially blind his night vision video cameras to the point where they were turning off and then turning back on and so i told him i don't think you have a haunted building what you have is just a light pollution problem so turn the cameras or move them or take the mirrors down and i think your haunting will go away and it did so those are the things 
we look for first. Um, so we take all of those notes during our that, that pre-investigation, if you will. So we'll take notes on that and that really drives our nighttime investigation. So we'll go in during the night, we'll set up night vision video cameras. Um, we have pieces of handheld equipment that we take with us, uh, things that are designed to measure electromagnetic energy, um, uh, voice recorders that will record audio, obviously video that will record video. Um, we have different things that will alarm if they're acted upon or if there's vibration or movement. Uh, we have laser grids that we'll set up. Um, anything to really capture either movement or voice or, you know, quote unquote shadow figures. Uh, so that's really how we conduct that investigation. And then once we're done with the investigation, we will take all of that um, audio and video footage that we captured and then we will sit and listen to it and watch it in the raw. So I don't put it through any audio software or video software. We, we watch it as it was recorded and we listen to it as it was recorded um, to really give the investigation justice. And because of that, like I said, we found some things that we just can't explain in, in most of the locations that we go to. And I think that's, again, that sounds to me like your true goal. Mm -hmm. Whenever you said earlier that you go in with a healthy skepticism and um, with the goal to debunk whatever you're looking for. I think mm -hmm. because psychologically, you know, we can psycho, we can make ourselves believe anything. Exactly. If we, if we put enough effort forth, um, mm -hmm. because if our, um, if our belief system is uh, more loose, then of course we're going to incorporate anything into it. Mm -hmm. um, but if we go into a situation with the intention of, you know, proving ourselves wrong, then you know, that's when we can see truth. And I think that's the important thing. Um, also, to kind of rewind and touch base, you said that you, um, with that particular example, you were um, investigating a business, because uh, mm -hmm. I noticed that's what you, that's what you all do um, a lot of as well as investigating businesses and residences, which I think is super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. So we, uh, we have people that will call us and uh, either investigate a private residence uh, or a private business, and we'll absolutely go in and do that. Uh, again, we, we follow the same routine that we do with the, the larger, what I call commercial locations. And the, the reason that we really concentrate on some of these commercial locations like Lizzie Borden or West Virginia State Penitentiary is really to build our portfolio. And it allows us to try different techniques that we can take and use at these, at these private investigations. Um, so to your point, we will have people call us uh, and or email and say, hey, I, I think this is my place is haunted. Uh, can you come and investigate these things? Um, the very first thing that we'll do is we'll hand them a couple voice recorders and say, you know, for 24 hours, just hit record on this thing, go about your life and, and, and see if we and we'll see if we can capture anything that way. And then we'll go in and we'll do a more extensive investigation of the location. Uh, we also do the research background. Um, we'll go to property records. We'll go to libraries, you know, the old school library way um, and, and look for things that might have affected that property. Um, did anybody die on the property or in the house or in the re residence or near the business? Um, has there been any tragic event? Um, Native American land, if, if it was that at one time, you know, is, is, is that an influence on what we're seeing? Um, and I'd say probably, I'd say probably about 25% of the places that we investigate, we can find 
a, an, an answer that we do not consider paranormal, um, that it is a light source or a noise source that they didn't consider or, um, you know, something that they just weren't aware of. Because I mean, sometimes, you know, when you're in your house and, and you're just going about your day, you're not aware of some of the outside act, uh, factors that are going on, like a train or like airplane noise or, you know, helicopters or anything like that. Um, so, but there are some places where we found, again, things that to us um, will put in the unexplainable category category. Um, now, any time that we do a private investigation, we don't publicize that. Uh, we give the uh, the homeowner or the business owner all of the, the data that we collected, um, all of the evidence that we collected, and we say, you know, you can do with this what you want. We do not publicize it. That's on you. Um, and, and here you go. And so if they want to release it, they do, but we don't. And, you know, I think that's on a couple different levels. I think that's a great approach um, because, you know, you're putting, you're not, uh, basically what I'm saying is that while you do investigate some of the more commercial areas, that tells me that your heart's not in the place of just seeking recognition. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like you mentioned earlier, you consider yourself true paranormal investigators, which, you know, based on, based on what you told me and some of your work, I do as well, because you all, um, you do try to rule out all of the factors that you can control. And that's a really big deal um, because there are so many things that we register that we don't even realize that we are uh, like light pollution and helicopter noise and, you know, things like that, that we just tune out that we're used to or that, exactly. we, uh, that our brain deems unnecessary for survival. You know, if it's a helicopter in the distance or whatever, so be it. Our mm -hmm. brain's like, okay, it's just a thing passing by. It's no big deal. Exactly. Um, so there's so many things that we don't even, you know, um, process that we experience and I, I think that also applies to the paranormal um, there are so many things that we rule out um, mm -hmm. based on reality uh, or our version of reality that's been influenced by um, what is explainable and uh, you mentioned 25 uh, correct me if I'm wrong you said 25 percent of what you said can or of what you investigate can be explained by um, other factors and on one hand, that doesn't sound very big, but on the other hand, that's pretty st uh, statistically significant. Mm -hmm. uh, Twenty-five percent is a lot of very is a lot of variability. It is, it is, and, and you know, like I said, when we go into these locations, it's not like we're stepping into and we find some compelling um, evidence. It's not like the the walls are shattering and and you know glasses rattling and doors are flying open and all of that. You know, it it. it if, if you're a, a if you're a paranormal investigator, that's really not um, you don't find stuff like that. It's not like you see on television or in the movies where it's extremely sensationalized. You know, for us, um, if we go into a location and and we're there for eight hours and I capture three or four whispers or voices that I can't explain, that's an amazing night for me um, because I, I'm I'm hearing. Uh, you know, like I said, a male's voice that I can't explain. So for, for example, when we went to the Lizzie Borden house, um, you know, there was a, there was an instance where Mich my sisters, Michelle and Jenny were just standing there talking um, in the parlor. Everybody else was upstairs and it was just the two of them talking. And there, there was a voice recorder there and a man's voice said, I'm standing right here next to you. 
And that is extremely compelling, right? For two reasons. One, there's no man standing there. And two, it, it's, it's intelligent. It, it's, it's, it knows that Jenny and Michelle are having this conversation. And he's like, hey, I'm standing right here next to you. Um, so if, and that to me, even if we were to only capture that, that's an amazing night for us, right? That to me is extremely compelling. Um, so to go into these locations, like I said, it, it could be something as, um, as, as just as subtle as a voice or just a, a, just a door rattle or something like that. It's not anything extreme. So there have been cases where we found just one or two pieces of evidence, but that to me is extremely, like I said, compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Earlier <laughs> you mentioned, um, you know, a couple pieces of evidence being compelling. Well, you know, that's, that's pretty, I mean, even a couple per night is a higher percentage than most people experience. This has been another episode of Best Virginia Podcast, created and hosted by me, Jordan Mitchell, featuring special guest Dr. Christy Sumner and featuring music by 18 Strings. As always, thanks for listening. Stay wild, stay weird, and stay wonderful.